0: Today's episode of Grad School Confessional is brought to you by children. Ah, yes, children, what wonderful and rambunctious little creatures. Children go by many names, little ones, little monsters, little angels, Doug, Dougette. But of the many things that children are, one thing they are not is being any good at research. I mean, have you seen how kids explore the world? They just put their hands on anything they can reach and then just put it in their mouths. Taste is like the least scientific sense. So, yeah, I guess what I'm saying is that babies are bad researchers, and I don't know how you got a job here, Doug. You're listening to Grad School Confessional, a podcast that explores the good, bad, and ugly of graduate school directly from graduate students themselves. I'm your host, Dr. Yoasue. From awkward supervisor interactions to reviewer two horror stories, to convincing your parents why grad school was a good idea. We read out the confessions of graduate students from all over and chat about the realities of pursuing higher education. I'd like to welcome back my co-host and sister from another mister, Anna. Anna is a PhD candidate studying digital health, a field where researchers ask, if your kids are raised on the internet, does that mean they're adopted?
1: Only if you turn off parental controls,
0: I think. Ah, I see what you did there. Today's episode also has a guest host who I'm extremely excited to introduce, Dr. Kendra Nelson-Ferguson.
2: Hi everyone, as an avid listener and fan, I'm super excited to be here, so thanks for having me.
0: Oh, stop, you're making me blush. (laughs) Kendra did her PhD at Western University where she studied sports psychology, a field where researchers ask, how many concussions do I need before I become good at football?
2: Uh, I'm pretty sure you have that backwards.
0: Oh, sorry, how many footballs do I need before I become good at concussions?
2: think it might be too late for you, Yoa.
0: So, like, at least two? Kendra, thanks so much for being on today's show as our guest host. This week, we are covering a topic that neither Anna or I really have that much experience with, and that's parenting while in grad school. Now, I do feel like we've had a bit of parenting experience, quote-unquote parenting experience, having two dogs. Um, Ana's also the legal guardian of, like, 300 plants. And, you know, by transitive property, I basically take care of Anna. So I'm also the legal guardian of like 300 plants. Uh, But maybe having kids is a bit different, you think, Kendra?
2: (laughs) Only slightly.
0: (laughs) Only slightly. (laughs) Well, I mean, how much experience do you have? How many kids do you have now? And how old are they?
2: I have two children now. Uh, My son just turned five and my daughter six months.
0: Wow. So like fresh. Fresh. <laughs> maybe no, yeah.
2: I, I don't think
1: you should describe children
0: as fresh. <laughs> at okay. maybe, that's, maybe that's fair. Okay. Maybe What's a better descriptor? Like new?
2: And new-ish because new-ish. I've got, you know, like a five-year-old. So I've kind of been doing it for a while, but then I have this yeah. baby too that I have it, you know, like it's new-ish. Yeah, that,
0: new-ish. Like, like, like if you had a car that was that old, you'd be like, it's a new-ish car. Exactly. Yeah.
2: yeah you like I'm ready to
1: trade it in, but it still performs well.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, and so, Kendra, when did you have your first kid then?
2: So I became pregnant five months into my PhD program, um, having him just after I started second year.
0: Wow. Okay. And so, how did you and your partner come to the decision then to you know have a kid during your PhD?
2: Uh well that's a good question. We knew we didn't want to wait too long after getting married. Um so I actually started the program a few months after. Um I honestly didn't think it would happen as fast as it did. So we're lucky in that sense. Um but because I was only 5 months into the program when I got pregnant, I really had no idea the challenges that were upon us. Um I'm a first gen PhD and none of my friends had gone through the process either. So I really had no idea what to expect.
0: Right. And so, yeah, I'm I'm sure we'll get into this a little bit later with some of these stories, but what was some of these unexpected things?
2: Oh, gosh. Um, Honestly, everything. Like, I I didn't know what really went into a PhD program when I started, Um, the research, the candidacy exam the coursework so it was you know a, a bit of a curveball and in, in navigating those challenges but as parents do we get through somehow you look back you're like wait how the hell did i do that but <laughs> you you do it and it's you know week by week day by day you just you get through it
0: yeah i mean like you know i i barely remember the beginning of my phd um mostly because like on and i had just met and like i was having a lot more fun just hanging out with her than I was doing my PhD. Yeah,
1: since then the passion has completely died. Oh,
0: thanks. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure I share the perspective, but it's good to know where you're coming from there, right? <laughs> um but certainly I can imagine that like to have to start this entirely new program because you know, as much as you did a master's, doing a PhD is quite different than doing a master's.
1: What? I
0: don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, maybe that's not you're not doing so great. <laughs> um but yeah, and so I can only imagine having to go through an entirely new life experience um, for the first time during this other, you know, very important uh, and I would say more career-defining experience is also very, very difficult.
2: Yeah, definitely. Um, And that just kind of sparked a memory of when I got pregnant. So I had a super rough pregnancy. Um, I was literally sick from the moment I got pregnant to the moment he was born. So when I got pregnant, you know, five months into the program, I was still doing coursework. And going into classes and sitting there and being like oh my god I'm gonna puke no 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 I'm not gonna puke like deep breathing and I'd be like running out of class to go get sick and then I'd be coming back and everyone would be looking at me like what is she doing like what is going on with her and obviously you know in the first trimester because of the risks involved in that you don't tell people early on and so it was just kind of like a, oh you know like (laughs) just just another day in the life
0: (laughs) yeah I can imagine that would be really difficult because you know not having to tell people about what's going on with you for the first little bit and then acting kind of strange you know it's like I feel like it's such a trope in in film and media and stuff or like why aren't she? why isn't she drinking the wine or why isn't she you know doing the drinking the mom juice as you called it uh, <laughs> yeah so I'm sure when you could tell people it was very relieving
2: definitely yeah it was like a weight off your shoulders
0: no, oh, for sure. Um, so what is your current role at the university? Because I know you are still working at the university, right?
2: Yes. Um, so I'm currently a postdoctoral research associate at Western.
0: Okay. And now that you're in a postdoc role and that being sort of less of a quote unquote training role and maybe more of one that's more research heavy, how does having sort of two kids now, one kid being very um, new, as we called it, <laughs> not fresh. one uh, a <laughs> How does that influence these aspects of your job or how you can do your job?
2: Yeah, that's a good question. Um, You know, there's so many aspects that are influenced. First, you throw in a world pandemic um, with strict guidelines around sickness and returning to school and kids are always sick. Uh, Speaking of that, I have two kids home sick right now Um, but thankfully I do work from home most days and my postdoc supervisor is super understanding of these circumstances Um, so knowing that productivity may be less on those days with kids homesick but also trying to make up those hours when kids go to sleep Um, Mm -hmm. but on the flip side as a parent I have a newfound passion for children's physical and mental health which is why I'm pursuing my current research path.
0: Right. And your current research is uh, related to kids, I imagine.
2: Yeah. Yeah. So children's physical and mental health. Population health, I guess, overall.
0: Yeah. And so I guess it must feel good to have that kind of personal investment into your research and to, I guess, bring a lot of it home in a way. Do you find that it's difficult to separate your sort of work from your family life then?
2: Yeah, definitely. I think, you know, for me, I have to set those boundaries of being a mom, like mom comes first, um, job comes second. But, you know, we're in this part of our career where we're trying to push for whatever path we take, whether that's the academic path, the research path or the industry path, who knows. Um, But just knowing For me, when I'm with my kids, my kids are the priority and I try to separate my work from that as much as possible. And it's easier said than done, especially when you're working on a manuscript or you have certain deadlines. Oh, yeah. Yeah, like there's there's those factors that come into place, but I'm sure it's the same as being a, a dog mom and dad or whatever you are, right? You gotta take the dog out. You still gotta tend to those dogs. <laughs> oh, absolutely not! We can crate our
0: dogs. <laughs> I was gonna say, like one of our earliest episodes, we were just like, "Yes, you can crate a dog, but don't create a kid," and that was like the extent of our parenting advice.
1: Yeah. That is very true. Also, our dogs eat kibble. We literally give them just like a cup of kibble and they're <laughs> overjoyed and I have limited childcare experiences but I think kids wouldn't like dog kibble.
0: No, no, you just gotta give them the puppy feed. There's, it's specially formulated for young <laughs> kids.
2: New kids.
0: New kids. <laughs> We, uh,
2: we had a dog when my son was first born, and he did try the puppy kibble uh, just once, though. So <laughs> he, he ate it, and he realized that was a big mistake, and he never did it again. So, you know, kids live and learn. <laughs> huh.
0: Okay, fair enough. Um, we often have this talk where, like, our dogs will just eat goose poop off the ground all the time maybe there's something we're missing there because they love it they love it it's like crack so like i mean i'm just wondering you know is there something we're missing with the kibble too but i think that sets that to rest
2: <laughs> uh, anyway,
0: getting into our first story um our first story comes from a grad student and father who writes about how they and their partner navigated the decision to have a kid while they were in grad school and how utterly unpredictable having a kid can be they write I do not think that there is an opportune time to have a child in any career. Like many things in life, if you have to wait for the perfect moment then you may be waiting forever, ultimately my wife convinced me that during my PhD was the right time to have a kid because number one, we at least knew we were going to be in the same location for the next four years. Post PhD, we could potentially be moving around quite a bit trying to land that dream job. At least right now we knew what the next four years would entail. Number two, Our healthcare system covered the first round of in vitro fertilization treatment, an important consideration given that we would potentially need it and that it costs $20,000 per round. And three, financially, she could offset my lack of income to support a child given that she had been in her career for almost 10 years. All that considered, nothing prepares you for having a child, not even getting a dog. The only constant with children is that there is no constant. I'm currently coming off a phase where my now almost two-year-old Decided he wanted to be awake and play with his toys in the range of 11 pm to 3 am. Nothing I say can adequately explain what you're getting yourself into. At the start, I had it all planned out. The baby was going to nap at this time and sleep at this time so I could continue to work on my PhD despite being on paternity leave, etc., etc. And a baby could not care less about your plans. Grad school is already unbelievably stressful long nights, skewed data, and poor income. Adding a child will only exaggerate that, made worse by any complications, something I was not prepared for. Our son was born with a club foot, and during pregnancy he had a soft marker on his brain, which has since been cleared. Looking back, that combined with the pandemic beginning three weeks after he was born was the start of my first struggles with anxiety and depression. With all that being said though, the good still outweighs the bad, and nothing brings me joy quite like my son. I want to have another one, just, Not right now. Oh, man. Okay, so first of all, this person's saying nothing prepares you for having a kid, not even getting a dog. I feel personally slighted by that, but (laughs) that's fine. Um, Kendra, how, how credible is this line of reasoning for having a kid during grad school?
2: You know... For me, aside from a rough pregnancy, it was a sound choice for me. Um, I remember being super nervous to share the news with my supervisor, considering we hadn't been working for very long together. Um, But he was super supportive and Mm had had multiple women under his supervision who had had babies during their PhDs. So that was really helpful. Um, He knew what to do, how to push me, how to give me space, and ultimately let me figure things out on my own. Um, you know, and this gave me the flexibility, uh, that is not the case with all grad school parents, Mm -hmm. but I was able to keep him home until he was 15 months. And after that, he was only in care part-time. And as I say that out loud, I really don't know how I finished on time and accomplished (laughs) what I did. I know it, like you adjust, you make those sacrifices, you keep pushing to get through it. Um, yeah so to answer your question for me it worked out um but that wasn't without wanting to give up and toss in the towel you know yeah week after week so in my
1: in one of my qualitative classes um we had a student who uh, who was pregnant during the semester and who was coming to the end of her term and then one day she came back and she wasn't pregnant anymore and nobody said anything and she like mid-class just looked at people and went oh guys don't worry I gave birth on Saturday but it's like my fourth kid so I'm back in class on Monday (laughs) (laughs) oh my god and the entire the entire class is like Oh my god, she's like, yeah, 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 no, baby's healthy, baby's at home with dad. Like, it's just my fourth, like, I know I'm fine. Like, let's get back to, like, Foucault, you know? Oh my, oh my god. god,
2: that's crazy. You're right. Like,
1: you're insane. To give you context, this was a Russian woman, so <laughs> there's that added layer, but yeah. Yeah,
0: I'm pretty sure Russian kids just walk right out, you know, they're like ready to go. <laughs> yeah, they're fluent. <laughs> like sprint
2: out doing, like, some gymnastics hurdles or like something. <laughs>
0: <laughs> that's pretty good.
2: <laughs> thank
0: you. Trying to learn a little bit of Russian. Um, so Kendra, so going back to your supervisor and how they were able to support you here, practically speaking, what were the things that they did that you found to be especially helpful to you, you know, maybe in the pregnancy phase and in the postpartum phase when you were coming back?
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think, you know, well, for, first and foremost, when I told him I was so nervous. Like I said, I was five minutes into the program. And so I told him before I told anybody, because I was like, how are we going to navigate this? And yeah. the first thing he did, he was—he jumped out of his chair and he gave me the biggest hug. And I think it was the first time he had ever, ever hugged me. And he was just, you know, like tears in his eyes, so excited for us. And the first thing he said was, I expected this. I knew this was coming. I knew this was the stage of your life. And I was like, "What? like you knew before I knew. <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) It was was just nice. Um, And I know not everyone has that experience. But again, he was super laid back. He was also in, you know, he's retired now. So he was at the end of his career. Um, He wasn't pushing for grants and funding and all of that. So Mm -hmm. he was laid back as an individual, but also didn't put a lot of pressure on me. Like, like I said, he knew when to push me. He knew when to take a step back. Um, Thankfully, birth and everything went well um and i actually didn't take a maternity leave when i had my son he was super flexible i was taing at the time and so we just kind of navigated like you know those two tas do the start of the work and then i do the back end of the work and we made it happen so i was very grateful for that and like i said you know my son wasn't in daycare until he was 15 months And to be able to get through, you know, a little over a year with a son at home, (laughs) pushing through and still finishing on time. Um, Obviously, I didn't have as much time to network and collaborate, but that was partly on me, too. Like, I I chose the path that I took. I chose to be home with him and be there and try to be as present as possible. But, yeah, like, I I couldn't be more grateful for him and how he steered me throughout it.
0: It sounds like, you know, a lot of a lot of the sort of I don't say ease because I don't think any part of it is necessarily easy. But a lot of the reason that it was successful sounds like it came down to this you know partnership that you had with your supervisor and sort of, you know, I think you're totally right in saying that they kind of have to be on board with it. Right. And they kind of have to be invested in you as a person, not just as like a quote unquote student or someone who can provide some output for them. And I think in the end it works. Right. Like you still finished on time having had a kid and having gone through the the rigor of a PhD program. And a lot of people who don't have kids, I think don't even get to do I that. I was
1: gonna say, <laughs> like, I, I feel like I'm gonna use your story one day if I'm a supervisor and be like, what do you mean you're not finishing on time? <laughs> do you have a newborn at home? No. <laughs> Collect your
0: data. Kendra <laughs> Nelson Ferguson. finished her PhD in a cave with a newborn. <laughs> yeah. Please
2: do it. Please use that story.
0: <laughs> so, when you actually did have the kid, and you—I know you had mentioned before—that like, okay, well, you you had to kind of navigate this on um, these boundaries and you know these relationships with your supervisor. How do you balance the time? It takes to be a parent and spending your time with your child at home with these responsibilities as a PhD? Like, did you have any hard and fast rules you set for yourself, or is that even possible?
2: You know, As a parent or guardian, um, there are so many struggles that we endure. And in the academic setting, um, you know, like I said, the struggles of not being able to network and collaborate as much. But again, that was a personal choice in that moment. I didn't really want to miss out, but I really wasn't sure how I'd manage, especially with not having help. So both my husband and I don't have family close and a lot of us in academia can relate to that. Um, Yeah, so it's it's easier to want to give up than to keep pushing. However, they do become your driving force, that motivation to keep pushing, pushing past those hurdles. Um, I guess that didn't really answer your question, but to be honest, you just, you figure it out as you go week by week, then you look back and think again, like, how did I do this? Wait, I made this milestone, I did this, I accomplished that, I got a manuscript published, what? Um, All with the child, you know? And, And I think that's whether you're a parent or not, um when you navigate grad school you always look back and you think how did i do that when did i do that so
0: yeah and it kind of goes back to this person's story too just kind of like nothing really prepares you you can't really plan it out it's kind of just like you're treading water the whole time and just kind of figuring it out
1: i mean like my parents had me my mom was 31 so way kind of later but I was basically raised by her university group that she stayed in touch with Mm -hmm. because my mom never stopped working. And so after I was born, she was still working part-time and she would like go into the office and she'd have one of her old classmates just like hang out with me because my dad was working full-time. And then, yeah, so I was raised, like it takes a village.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, yeah, yeah, yeah. That being said, Kendra, any tips for first-time grad student parents?
2: Yes, um absolutely and I wish someone had had told me some of these tips. Um you know, I think the biggest is to be kind to yourself, um to set realistic expectations, to be open and honest with your supervisor. Um, to put your child on a childcare waitlist wait list when you find out you're pregnant. <laughs> like, these lists are extensive and contribute to such unneeded stress. Like, for example, my daughter right now, I have her on 15 wait lists. All within what? a 40-kilometer yes, radius. So I recently called the check-in. She's 39th on one waitlist. She is 25th on another, and she's ninth on the one that's closest to us. However, their waitlists are frozen because they don't have enough staff. So it's this very stressful thing, trying to get your child into daycare. So right when you find out you're pregnant, get them on a childcare waitlist.
0: <laughs> you know what I'm hearing here? Hmm? I'm hearing there's a niche. There's a business here. There's a business we can opportunity.
2: We monetize this. <laughs>
0: Remember when we were looking to Michaela and she was like, I went to a a daycare, but that was also like research and they did research with us. That's what we got to do. We got to charge the parents and do research on their kids.
2: Let's just change our let's just change our paths now. Like let's do it. Let's Kendra, are you together. in? Let's do it. It
0: <laughs> <laughs> makes so much money. So much money. The
1: lives of so many families. Yeah, I, yeah, that one too. That's you know?
0: the
2: important thing. <laughs> and I think yeah. also too, like be the parent you want to be. Um be there for your child. Don't feel bad about missing out on things because your child's sick or needs you. Um, You know, grad school is a huge stepping stone. And if opportunities are missed, because parenting comes first, don't beat yourself up about it, the next opportunity will come. Um, Mm -hmm. And just know Mm -hmm. that there are times you're going to feel guilty, like parent guilt is real. Um, And it can be hard, but we all go through it and your kids love you no matter what. So you know, just be yourself. Don't bring home that grad school baggage with you. (laughs) They just want you.
0: Yeah, I like that. And I think it segues beautifully into this next story. Um, Our next confession is from a grad student that describes a moment during an interview in which the topic of their child was brought up in a way that surprised them. They write, the first PhD program I applied to involved a formal interview with the university department. Although I felt for the most part that the interview went all right, I was taken aback when I was asked How do you plan on balancing your PhD while caring for an infant? I stumbled my way through answering it with something along the lines that I had already started researching childcare centers in the area and could also call upon family nearby for help. Later that night, my feelings of discouragement and not having a clear answer to that question quickly turned to anger when I thought to myself, would they have asked this question to my husband if he was sitting in my chair? Needless to say, I didn't get offered the position. Now I'll never know if it was because I didn't have a good enough answer about how I was going to handle my childcare during my PhD. Initially I was disappointed, but now that I'm a year into my PhD program, one where I was never questioned about how I was going to balance childcare care in my PhD studies, I've come to realize how important it is to be in a lab where you feel supported by your supervisor and lab mates while taking on the roles of both parent and PhD student. I feel very fortunate to feel the support from my current lab And I think I would have burnt out pretty quickly if I was put in that other program where I may have constantly felt guilt that I was putting too much time into my family and not enough into my Ph.D. I think this story, uh, you know, when I initially read it, is just kind of baffling for so many reasons, but I'm kind of curious on what your initial thoughts are.
2: So many thoughts. Um, I think her anger is 100 percent justifiable. Uh, mm-hmm. Part of me thinks this question is totally ignorant, but another part of me thinks a query into it is understandable. However, I'd hope that you know, that this wasn't the reasoning behind her not getting the offer. Um, And to be honest, it could have been asked in a way that didn't put so much emphasis on the how. And perhaps this relates to a lack of experience having students with children. But instead, you know, detailing the resources and support that could be offered to help her balance it all if she was offered the position. So I think just going about it in a different way, because it is justifiable to, to ask you know if that supervisor has certain tasks or projects with deadlines to know if there's support in place to be able to balance both but to also offer you know we have this in place we have resources we have support there's childcare on site um those types of things to to be able to make her feel supported
0: Mm -hmm. yeah i think that's such a great point you know I think too often we look at interviews, especially job interviews or you know uh, entrance interviews, as being like, how can I show off to this person or this institution that I'm the best candidate and I will be do the best for them. And I think so often we forget that it's about fit as well, and we need to make sure that our own needs are being looked out for, right?
1: One of my biggest fears, and like in Canada, you like can't ask this question but one of my biggest fears is that like when i start applying for jobs they're going to see that i'm 30 or 31 or 32 and i'm married and they're going to be like oh so she's going to go on mad leave soon and at the same time i can't like start an interview being like oh don't worry like i don't want to have kids i'm, <laughs> I'm child free and happy but at the same time like you know going into a room and seeing who's on the hiring committee and be like okay well how yeah. many how many of these people are having this assumption in their ha- heads right now and like while i understand that it is wrong to have that assumption and you cannot discriminate based on whether or not you're going to have a child like is it still going to sh- shape their opinions yeah, of you as absolutely. a candidate and like we've had so many conversations about this because i'm like you don't need to worry about this and if anything the fact that mm-hmm. you're going to be in your 30s married is going to look favorably because most people see that and they're like oh he's gonna you know he needs to provide for the family we need mm-hmm. to get him a stable job yeah
0: stability in it. it's, it's, and it's, it's like, very archaic almost
1: yeah and it's like i don't know when you were um looking for postdoctoral opportunities like how did you navigate that were you kind of like just jumping the gun being in front like hey by the way i'm gonna have another kid or did you ever like have those conversations
2: no i didn't have those conversations and to be honest when i started my postdoc, we thought we were one and done. Like we didn't think we were having another one. So if my supervisor now had have asked me in my interview, if I was planning on having another kid, I would have said no. And then fast forward five months. Surprise. Like, <laughs> I changed my mind really quick. <laughs> um, I, lied. <laughs> I, lied. <laughs> I lied. Yeah. Um, no, it, it never came up. And, you know, luckily, again, I am very lucky with the supervisor had my PhD, but also my supervisor now who does a lot of uh, children's research, he, he values families, you know, like that, he puts families and children first, and that has been um, on the forefront of all of this, too. So when I, again, I was super nervous to tell him when when we did find out and and when i did and it was all virtual via zoom because we were in a pandemic and everything was on lockdown but he was so excited for us and you know to be honest i think i was his first i wanted to say student but his first staff to ever go on mat leave too so he was navigating that and this individual that i work for has a, a huge track record of students, and so to be, you know, the first one, he was navigating. What's this going to look like? How is this work with pay? What is it? You know, like all of those those first questions. And mm-hmm. yeah, so again, like I wasn't asked. I've never been asked, and I guess I'm fortunate to not have to be asked now because we are two and done. <laughs>
0: yeah. <That's laughs> Talk to you in five months, Kendra. <laughs> apparently. No. No. No.
1: No. no. <laughs> You <laughs> want to start a band? <laughs>
0: <laughs> no way. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I am curious, though. I think, I think, well, gathering what, taking this story to account, and then you know the story within your PhD. Obviously, the supervisor relationship is super key, and they have to kind of see eye to eye, not just with you as a person, but see the value in in the family, right? In that aspect, I'm wondering, though, what are your plans after? The, this postdoc you know is if it's going to be academia still if it's going to be industry and if so do you think that this kind of thing is going to come up again
2: yeah i think so um again you know coming back to what anna said it, being a woman it's something that you know people look at us especially based on our age and and it goes through their thought process um and i mean in academia things are always changing uh but being a mom has taught me that i want to be a mom first um, so as of right now, I continue to go day by day and I feel like I've said that probably three or four times now, but that's kind of like my life motto, just take it day by day. Um, so I don't have a concrete answer. I don't, I just know that my priorities have shifted since becoming a mom and I'm okay with that. Um, but you know, it's funny because being a parent or not, I feel like the answer for this answer hits home with a lot of people in that the real realities of our paths could lead us somewhere we never expected. Um, you know, we strive and we work towards something, but we all know how this job market is. And we all know that we may set, you know, goals or expectations for ourselves and, and not get there. And I think, you know, becoming a parent has made me realize that I kind of have to be Open to anything and hope for the best. <laughs> you know, yeah. I, I put ten years into my schooling to to want to take the academic route, but who knows? I feel like my mind is constantly changing with where yeah. I'm going yeah. in life.
0: Well, I, it sounds like you have, you know, you're very open minded to the opportunities that are out there, but your priorities are still very much you know set, and you kind of know what has to come first and. In that regard, I feel like it, is, it helps to be kind of more focused in that way. And you can kind of say yes or no to certain things pretty easily. Yeah. If we do go the academic route, and I'm curious to know what you think as well, what can universities do or what needs to change within universities so that this kind of implicit interaction or this expectation of like, oh, you're you know, 30 plus years old now, you don't have any kids, but you're married. How do we get that to change so that the conversation isn't when are you going to go on mat leave? where does it become a thing oh geez
1: i don't know i feel like it would be so much easier for me to like you have this tension especially for me because i'm like i don't want to position myself like oh i'm the better candidate because i'm not going to go on that leave and i have no work-life boundaries Mm -hmm. right because that's also like the worker learning to love the system that abuses them yeah right like i think I think you should be able to go on that leap. I don't, I think in a lot of ways, being a parent makes you a much better academic because for all the work that we do, the multitasking you need to do as a parent. <laughs> I've talked to your mom, I know. <laughs> right, right. And so I don't know. I think it's more of changing the social discourse of like what the, life trajectory of women looks like rather than academia like academia will eventually get there and reflect right. the general social discourse but right now we're just kind of stuck in this very unidimensional way in which we like view oh, okay well they got engaged they're gonna get married they're gonna have a kid they're gonna have another kid and then they're gonna be stable and they'll stay in the workforce mm-hmm. and whatever right mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think, you know, just just talking about mat leave, I think that's the realities of, of maternity leave, right? Like it can have an impact on the workplace. Um, and just having been on a six month maternity leave myself. Um, and it being my first mat leave, I saw how it impacted the lab that I work with, but I also saw how everyone adapted and took a, took on the roles to make this as seamless as possible, because it is our right to have that leave, whether it's two, six, 12, 18 months, um, you know, it's our right to take a leave if we choose to have children. Some people choose not to have mat leave. I choose, I chose a six month mat leave, um, which originally was supposed to be five, but I extended it by one month because I just felt like I wasn't quite ready. Um, But you know, and I, I even think too about parental leave. So my husband took parental leave through the summer because again, COVID and we were in lockdown and my son was home from school and we had this new baby at home. And I was like, how am I going to make this summer great for my son while I'm recovering and breastfeeding and caring for this new baby? You know, like what? I'm not sticking Mm -hmm. him in front of the TV all day. So we were lucky enough that he was able to take a parental leave at the same time as my mat leave. And that was so foreign to his workplace. Um, and so many people were like, well, what is happening? Why are you doing this? You know, like the women's supposed to take on these responsibilities and care for both children and be okay with it. Well, I was not okay yeah. doing it. So, so yeah. yeah. It but...
0: I think you've raised such a brilliant point about like, you know, it's still very much these implied social roles where it's like the woman is supposed to do this. And I think too, in my limited experience in talking to pregnant women, it's like, <laughs> there's this, this, um,
1: they never stick around.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Hush you, <laughs> um, But no, it's very much like they almost feel like they can't ask for help mm-hmm. because it is within their responsibility and their duty to handle everything themselves. And I think that's absolutely ridiculous.
1: I was going to um, I go back about the um, parental leave. Um, I know in some Scandinavian countries, it is mandatory paternity leave. Like you have parental leave and you have to break it up between the two parents. It's up to you how you break it up, whether you take it simultaneously or you stagger it. But as a father, you have to take paternity leave. And like, I think it's great. Mm-hmm. I remember reading studies that their outcomes in terms of like, father-child bonding are like super great because now dads are spending time with their kids when they're not like exhausted and coming back from work and at the Mm -hmm. same time moms are not just like completely exhausted because now you have the second parent there to help out
0: yeah you have another adult
1: (laughs) yeah
2: yeah absolutely i think that's i love that um you know and even my husband like first time around with our son he was back to work two weeks after so i was on my own and he was working nine to five so he was getting home and our son was going to sleep at 6 30 so that would be you know him getting home us having dinner having maybe 20 30 minutes with our son before it was bedtime and now with my daughter he was like or our daughter should i say <laughs> 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 he was like I just feel like I got that that time with her that I didn't get with our first and and it's so nice to have that because I see that that bond with them and not that he didn't have that with my son but it was also super nice for me because second time around um I didn't recover as easy and I went through a lot of medical conditions so thankfully he was home to help and to step in because I wasn't able to lift her out of certain positions. I wasn't able to move out of certain positions. So he was really there to support all of us. And I, you know, bless his heart. I'm so grateful for, for that time.
0: What you said kind of like sparked this kind of like thought of, yeah, why is it that we make women after they've been through like an extremely physically exhausting task, do all of the physical jobs related to now caring for the thing that you had to Because the
1: do. world sucks, Perry. Yeah, okay, okay, yeah, okay. <laughs> Sorry?
0: I was like, as the guy here, I'm just like, okay, I get it, I get it, am sorry. <laughs> yeah,
1: but, like, also, I find, like, the way that we live is completely different. I think because of globalization, in a way, and the way that work happens, especially for academics, you are so far away from your family. Mm-hmm. And, like... Growing up back in Ukraine, you know, my one set of grandparents lived in the same city as us. And the other pair of grandparents were seven hours away by train. But again, they were retired. And so they could kind of drop by anytime. And then at the same time, all of my mom's university friends that she was still in touch with were around. And so it was very easy to have somebody come in and be like, okay, like I'll watch your baby if you need to like lie down for a two hour nap, or if you wanna go shower, or if you need to eat something. like There was always somebody coming by with food or whatever. Even when I was a toddler, like I remember this like never ending conveyor belt of people <laughs> just bring us shit. Um, <laughs> and, and now people live, they kind of pair off. And if you're lucky, maybe your parents are mm-hmm. near you, but for a lot of people, that's not the reality. And if your partner can't take paternity leave, you get home and you're alone with a baby, and you're just like yeah, dead emotionally and physically yeah. wrecked.
0: And then, I mean, you even had COVID on top of that, and like your yeah. friends aren't coming over, you know, yeah. like if they want to. Yeah,
2: yeah, it can be super isolating, um, especially now, right? Like isolating more than ever because of the because of the COVID. Um, but yeah, it, it's definitely challenging. And hearing about that, you know, the situation that your mother was in, Anna, like I that would have been so nice. Just even a (laughs) meal brought to the house or, you know, something and very grateful right now because my mother-in-law is actually here from manitoba and she's been here since the beginning of november so she's been helping while i'm back to work and everything and it's so nice to be able to be like okay here's my daughter i'm gonna go have a shower and i'm gonna take (laughs) my time in that shower because i'm in no rush because i don't have to be in a rush (laughs) so it's it's definitely (laughs) nice having that extra set of hands and she goes home next week and i'm like oh my gosh how am I gonna do this again? Like, how is this going to be my reality? Like, I need my 20 minute showers to be away from everything and to have that quiet time, but.
0: Yeah, the fact that it has to be in the shower too, just so you can like also do something while you're trying to have time away. (laughs) Man, Uh, (laughs) I think it gets into a little bit of what this next story, the student in this next story writes too about like, whether they'd be able to balance everything. And so our last story is written by a recent master's graduate who describes their internal conflict with doing a PhD and potentially having kids at the same time. They write, I would really like to do a PhD, but I went back to school for my master's a little late in the game. I recently finished my master's and want to work for a year or two to replenish my savings, which I spent on the master's, before ideally starting my PhD in September of 2023, at which point I would be 30. Finishing would take a minimum of four years, Though it wouldn't surprise me if it took longer as I know I can be the slow and steady worker and I tend to perform better that way. That would put me finishing up at 34, earliest. Then I'd have to work on my career's next steps from that point. I'm undecided on kids most of the time, but that's largely because I don't want to sacrifice things like my career, even if the idea of a kid sounds nice. I feel like I would want to focus on getting my career going after finishing a PhD before having a kid. I'd be getting up there in years, though, and I don't think I'd want to have kids past 36, either for health reasons and just not wanting to be an older parent. That would be one to two years post-PhD in the best-case scenario, and who knows what roadblocks would set me back even further. That just doesn't feel like a lot of time to establish a career before taking a parental leave. I likely wouldn't find full-time faculty position in that time unless something fell into my lap during the PhD process, which won't happen. That would mean an unpaid parental leave, which adds additional financial strain for my partner and me. How doable is a PhD at the same time as kids? Because it feels like the answer for me would be not very. So Kendra, obviously from what you told us, kids and a PhD, it is possible. Um, But just to reiterate, what are these key factors that you think have to kind of be set up so that kids and a PhD can happen at the same time?
2: yeah it's totally possible um and there are so many factors that go into it uh being prepared setting goals realistic expectations um all in all it's been done several times and being a mom or a parent in general is super rewarding um challenging but rewarding and i remember that feeling when I defended my PhD and showing my son's picture at the end um, of my acknowledgements and breaking down in tears because I felt truly proud of myself. Um, so it's definitely possible. <laughs> and I know yo, you were there. And <laughs> <laughs> it <was a> very <laughs> touching moment. I think
0: everyone in the room <laughs> cried. <laughs>
2: Yeah, there were a lot of tears in the room. Um, So it's definitely possible. Um, And at the end of the tunnel, you will look back wondering how you achieved it, but you'll feel that much prouder of yourself for pushing through and getting through it.
0: So I wanted to touch on something that this person had written about, which is kind of like the financial strain in a PhD. Because as you and I know, the stipend for PhD students is like below poverty, right? So you're not exactly supporting yourself. And in the first story, you know, their partner had the financial capability of supporting them through in, through the PhD and a kid. But I'm supposed, is there a situation, do you think, where maybe having a kid wouldn't be the best idea during a PhD? PhD?
2: Uh, I mean, when you talk about finances, obviously you wanna make sure you have the finances there because diapers <laughs> are extremely expensive. Um, as is formula if you choose or cannot breastfeed. Um, so those things add up. But all in all, in terms of a particular circumstance or situation, I don't think so. Like, I think a lot of thought needs to go into it. And I think you need to ensure you have a supportive partner Or group around you, but thinking back to what the individual did say in the first story, if you wait for the perfect moment, then you may be waiting forever, right? So, you know, the financial situation that my husband and I are in now, in comparison to when we had our first, is like night and day, but we made it through that time. And, you know, now as a postdoc, postdocs don't get paid a a ton, but, you know, (laughs) know there is. (laughs) If, if one thing that grad school taught me is budgeting and budget skills, right? Like I've got my Excel spreadsheet of my expenditures. And- oh, dang.
1: ever go just like, no more diapers for you this month. You've maxed out. <laughs> it's like
2: you, you're officially potty trained at six months.
0: Out <laughs> of <As a> necessity. <laughs>
1: It's cheaper. It's the most economic solution.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, exactly. So, Kendra, in your opinion, you know, still being in the academic field yourself, how do you see kids fitting into potentially a longer term plan of trying to be competitive for academia? You know, given how competitive and and cutthroat it can be?
2: Yeah, and to add to those aspects, you also have to be willing to travel, right, if you want to pursue a professorship. Um, But luckily, kids are resilient and adaptable. And I think Michaela, um, the guest you had on your Second Gen podcast, Mm -hmm. spoke to this, right? Like with her father in academia, they had to move around. um, And as she mentioned, it wasn't always easy but they got through it as a family. Um, So I think there are a lot of kinks to work out, but if that's your dream dream and you've worked to achieve that, the short-term sacrifices will pay off.
0: Mm -hmm. No, I totally hear what you're saying. And obviously, you know, you've already mentioned this many times before, but it doesn't sound like you regretted the decision at all.
2: Absolutely not. No, again, like you live and learn, right? Like thinking back, it's like, wow, I did that. Like, how did I do that? But but it's all it's it's made me who I am today. And honestly, here I am two years into my postdoc and I did it again. (laughs) So, you know, it's obviously doable. I'm in now a different stage of my life. And I'm in now more that stage where you're trying to push towards success, push towards that end goal and hopefully a tenure track position. And I had another baby and now I'm a mom of two. And my life is just this giant, chaotic world around me but you do it and and you get through it you just you have to adapt
0: yeah so then kind of building off of that what do you see as being sort of your trajectory now so now that you've had the kids apparently two and done but we'll see but uh having kids now what is the next thing
2: um no more kids (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um so there's that but yeah I I don't know I think just going with with where I am I'm I'm happy in the position I'm in um I'm hoping this leads to opportunities whether that's in academia or not um again i'm just coming off mat leaves, so trying to figure out what my next steps are in my current role um, but i'm trying not to get too ahead of myself because i do still have time <laughs> to figure it out and i'm just trying to currently you know pound the pavement with getting some publications building my cv so that if i do go a professor path i I kind of have all the necessary means to to get there
0: Mm -hmm. yeah no that makes a lot of sense on its own becoming a parent is an incredibly stressful and life-altering experience combined with the often incredibly stressful and life-altering experience of grad school it does truly feel like a miracle that anyone makes it out on the other side alive and defended that said few can argue the fulfillment and accomplishment that comes with both of these experiences And for those that wish to experience both, it is the duty of the institution to accommodate them as much as possible. After all, I remember being a kid once, and it turned out to be pretty cool. You've been listening to Grad School Confessional. I'm Dr. Yoasue. Special thanks again to my co-host, Anna, and our guest host, Kendra. Kendra, just as we end our research papers, do you have any final acknowledgments or conflicts of interest you'd like to disclose today?
2: I think my complex of interest could occupy another episode. So for now, I'll stick to thanking my incredible husband, who is stuck by my side through it all, every degree, um, but also to my wonderful little munchkins who continue to push me in the face of adversity. Um, and a huge shout out to all those parents and our guardians navigating grad school or contemplating grad school. Just go for it. You got this.
0: I like that. I like That's that. sweet. <laughs> If you enjoyed the show, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or iTunes so that others can benefit from our mediocre advice. Please also share us with your social network and follow us on Twitter at GSConfessional. And if you have a confession you'd like to make, please use the anonymous link in the description or email thegradschoolconfessional at gmail.com. We're waiting for your funny, interesting, or controversial confessions. Until next time, in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Principal Investigator, Amen.